Hello once again, guys, to the 100-yard coverage podcast presented by FantasyFootballObserver.com. I am Stefan Arnold, and once again, as always, I am joined by Dakota Vanderhoff, writer extraordinaire for our site. Dakota, we have a Super Bowl matchup. Yeah, the uh, Chiefs and the 49ers. I'm really looking forward to this uh, matchup. This is actually the matchup that we talked about uh, last week in our podcast about who we thought we were gonna, who was going to win. And um, between the Chiefs and the 49ers, I chose the 49ers, and I believe you chose the Chiefs. Are you sticking with the Chiefs this, this Super Bowl? I am. What is your score uh, for the Super Bowl 49ers victory that you claim? I think it's going to be a, a high-scoring affair. I think it's going to be something like... Um, Twenty-seven to thirty-four, I think sounds like a pretty good. You said that backwards, weirdly, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, thirty-four to twenty-seven, I guess. Huh? Thirty-four twenty-seven Packers. Uh, no, yeah, Forty-Niners. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's the Forty-Niners one. The Packers didn't quite make it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's early out here on the West Coast, Dakota. It doesn't matter that you're also on the West Coast. That's what I'm claiming. Yeah, so you're picking the 49ers 34-27. to 27. That is 61 points. I saw the over-under this morning as 52 to 53 points, somewhere in there. So you're over the over. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit lower scoring, 24-20 to 20 Chiefs, as the teams feel each other out in the opening half. Um, and they play some good defense. But you're probably right. It might be a little bit more of a high-scoring game. I still like Kansas City over San Francisco. We'll have to try to uh, think of a bet, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. But anyway, should be a great game in a couple of weeks, February 2nd in Miami. So we shall see what happens. But Dakota, we are not here to talk about winners, per se. We're here to talk about... <laughs> The Buffalo Bills and the Atlanta Falcons as part of our State of the Franchise 2020 Fantasy Recaps and Lookaheads. The Bills actually had a good season and the Falcons came back from a dreadful start to end up 7-9. You chose the Buffalo Bills. I had the Atlanta Falcons. Let's start with a recap of 2019 and a look, a little bit of a look ahead 2020 for those Buffalo Bills. Go ahead, Dakota. Yeah, I mean the Buffalo Bills. They um, they actually really impressed me this year when I projected the um, everyone's final um, records. I had the Bills with I think like four or five wins. So I never expected the Bills to do this well. Um, they had a ten and six record. They finished second in their division just behind the New England Patriots, and they made the playoffs. I think that they actually were a team that kind of uh, – they're a young team that blossomed a uh, season early, in my opinion. Um, and I think that that's great because now they have a lot of cap space, um, $81.8 million, which is third most in the, uh, in the NFL. That's a lot of cheddar. Yeah, they have a ton of money, and I think that what they need to prioritize is – is locking down any of their free agents on their defensive side that are going to be going anywhere because their defensive unit was ranked second best by pro football reference. So I think that it's they have a really good defense. They have a really young offense. Um, just try to keep that unit together as much as possible and try to improve on the offense. And I think that they have – it's a really good time to be a Buffalo Bills fan because the uh, Patriots look like they're on a decline and the Bills look like they're on this incline. And I think that they're primed to take over this division. Yeah, it's certainly possible. They they have some younger talent on uh, the offensive side of the ball with uh, Josh Allen at quarterback and Devin Singletary at running back. And we will certainly talk more about them coming up. Yeah, John Brown actually had a really good year at wide receiver, too. He had over 1,000 yards, which is his second time in his career that he's ever done that. It's actually his, he had his best career season in Buffalo this year with Josh Allen. Yeah, I love Josh Brown. He's been a favorite of mine, um, and I have him on several of my dynasty teams. I'm going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons, how they fared in 2019, and a little bit of a look ahead. 
Uh, Falcons rallied from a one and seven start to finish seven and nine. Head coach Dan Quinn gave up some play calling duties and he reshuffled his def- defensive staff responsibilities. So they they uh, really uh, started off with a shock of the Saints and then they also had a victory of the 49ers and finished six and two, including a four game winning streak to end the year. Um, you know, a tough year. They they didn't do as well as they wanted. I think that team has more talent than they ended up at a below 500 record, but I really think that they'll probably bounce back next year in 2020 um, if they can uh, fix some defensive mistakes, and they had uh, quite a few injuries as well, so we shall see how they do. Um, Matt Ryan is uh, not a spry youngster like Josh Allen in Buffalo, but he did finish as the 11th-ranked quarterback. Julio Jones, terrific as always, was third among wide receivers. And running back Devonta Freeman uh, started a little uh, weaker, but uh, finished strong, strong-ish, I should say, to finish 20th overall, uh, helped mainly by his uh, catching abilities. Um, 2020, Dakota, you said that you think the Patriots are are headed down. I, th- I think you're right. I think Buffalo definitely has the the talent on both sides of the ball to to challenge Josh Allen. Let's start at the quarterback position. Was ranked sixth overall uh, for 2019, and he's ranked eighth in 2020. What do you like about him, and what are his strengths and weaknesses going into next year? Well, I think that definitely some of his one of his strengths is his rushing abilities. He's he's one of the better rushing quarterbacks in the league. Uh, this year he had 109 attempts, which is a decent amount. He had 510 yards and nine touchdowns uh, just on the ground. So, I mean, that's a lot of extra points when you got 510 extra points and nine touchdowns. It's, it's you know a decent amount of points that's being scooped up off of your um, out of your uh, quarterback position. So I think that <clears throat> while he did have a really good year, he also had 3,000 over 3,000 passing yards. He had 3,089 yards on 27 completions he had a 59 percent completion rate and a six point yard average uh depth of pass and so i think what he needs to improve on now is maybe taking those big shots and taking a step forward in his in his career um i think i think he's got some serious problems with his mechanics though i i've see i've watched a few buffalo bills games this year and um occasionally you see Josh Allen kind of revert back into this like uh, adolescent looking uh, quarterback and he just has some awful mechanics. I think that that is something that can be worked out with um, with coaching, with good coaching. We can work past that. He's a young player and um, he has a lot of room to develop, I think. So I think that he's got a lot of room to improve even, even with his number six overall spot, um, his number six overall finish. I think that he can actually improve from that spot because, I mean, the offense is going to probably look better next year. And I think that Josh Allen himself will look better. He'll make better decisions. He won't be as nervous in the playoffs next year. And then we talked a little bit about the Patriots. The Patriots look like they're on this decline, like I said. I mean, I don't, I can't say for sure that they're completely done and out, but the Patriots are definitely on this decline where, you know, Tom Brady didn't look all that sharp at the end of the season and the Patriots Tom themselves. Tom Brady's a free agent too. And he's a free agent. There's been rumors about him wanting top dollar and going somewhere else. So I don't even know if he'll be back with the Patriots next season. Yeah, I mean, uh, Josh Allen, as you said, has definitely room to improve. But that ground game is so valuable for us in the fantasy football community that he's definitely one of the top players there. As you said, he was ranked sixth, uh, ranked eighth for next season and ranked ninth overall in Dynasty yeah, so he is eighth ranked overall um, behind Prescott, as I said, uh, James Winston and Kyler Murray, just ahead of Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. So I think he fits in well there with his rushing ability. Hopefully, uh, I think the Buffalo Bills fans should be should be happy with him. He may not be uh, an elite elite talent, as you said, uh, throwing the ball, but. Overall, I think he gives them a chance to win, and and with that defense, I think they're going to be a strong contender, as you said, for the AFC East title. Matt Ryan um, was 
finished the season as the 11th uh, quarterback overall with 400, or excuse me, 4,466 yards passing and 26 touchdowns. He's been up a, a little bit up and down the last four seasons with his touchdowns. They've gone from 38 to 20 to 35 and now 26, but he has had more than 4,000 yards each season. Really super interesting uh, dynasty ranking and uh, in uh, 2020 ranking. He's ranked 11th again in 2020 and 12th in dynasty. So maybe not looking to see a lot of guys pass him, but uh, probably at this point in career, his career, we uh, we know what you get with him. He's a low end, steady uh, quarterback one. Quarterbacks who might pass him next year include Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold. Um, but he might actually be helped next year, Ryan, that is, if the Falcons' defense can uh, rebound and do better next season. What do you like about uh, Matt Ryan, or do you like Matt Ryan, Dakota? And uh, what, are, what do you think his prospects are for next season? I actually do like Matt Ryan. Um, Atlanta Falcons are one of the most pass-heavy offenses in the nfl so when you get the quarterback to that offense you're typically going to get you know like the 4400 yards like matt ryan did that's a decent amount that's a 1400 more than what josh allen got and i mean when you have elite wide receivers like julio jones and then you got calvin ridley on the outside you definitely have your options so i think matt ryan is actually a good pickup he's gonna be good for you know for a little while longer he's the quarterbacks last longer. Um, he's still not in that category where I, you know, I worry about him retiring. Um, maybe you know, in the next five years or so. If you're looking at him for a dynasty plug, I think he's like one of the perfect players. If you wanted to just go really cheap in your dynasty draft at the quarterback position, I think Matt Ryan would be excellent, and then you can wait and draft a, a better quarterback later. Yeah, that that's what I did with uh, one of my startup drafts that I started last year startup dynasty draft um i got some some decent value at wide receiver and then um uh, some running back so i just i just waited and i didn't didn't really uh overdraft uh quarterback and then i ended up with matt ryan you know he's he's not super exciting like patrick mahomes or lamar jackson on a week-to-week basis but he's definitely uh, a guy to um, plug and play as as a valuable uh, quarterback. Let's move on to running backs up there in Buffalo. They've got a young kid named Devin Singletary. Uh, hopefully he can shine a little bit more next year, Dakota. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Before I get to Dakota, guys, just want to chime in. This is Stefan Arnold. Want to make sure that I correct some numbers here. I left in some week 17 numbers for John Brown, Cole Beasley, and Dawson Knox, who all did not play that game. So correcting their numbers for just weeks 1 through 16, John Brown goes from 20th to 15, so a nice big uh, bump there for Brown. Beasley goes from 34th to 27th, and Knox goes from 32nd to 30th. So just keep that in mind as we talk about numbers that I messed up, and they're a little higher, especially John Brown, who goes from 20 to 15 uh, for the 2019 season only. Thanks, guys. Now, Dakota, what do you have to say? Yeah, he um, he had an injury in week two that uh, started to nag him. He missed week three, four, and five, and then um, his bye week was on week six. So he missed a four-game stretch right there at the beginning of the year. And it kind of um, it made the team kind of slowly work him into the into the um, lineup and into the ro- onto the roster. He actually... Did very well though. He had a, he ended up with 151 carries, um, 775 rushing yards, and two touchdowns on the ground. And then he caught 29 of 41 of his uh, targets, his passing targets, <clears throat> and he had 194 yards and two receiving touchdowns. He caught 70 percent of his catches. So I mean, he actually looked really good on all phases of the of the ball field, even for. A little little guy at five seven. He was a um, pretty decent blocker as well. I think that it's one of the things that I would say that he needs to improve on, though. Especially being a rookie, um, got to pick up those bit those blitzes if you want to be a running back because 
not only running the ball, you're also protecting the quarterback a lot of the time. So if you want to get on the field, you got to know how to block. <clears throat> and um, I think that's where Devin Singl- Singletary could um, improve on. He ended up finishing as a running back 29, but in the back half of the year, he was running back 17, which I know it doesn't sound like he was helping your team out like a tremendous amount, but he actually was. He had a few games that were really helpful, especially for players, you know, people that were like me, where they didn't draft a lot of running backs in the beginning of the uh, beginning of the draft, and we I had to rely on some of these these um, these second half running backs to emerge. I think Devin Singletary is going to be high on on people's list because of that reason, because of his second half value rather than his first half value. Yeah, he did emerge uh, near the end of the season, and you're right, he's a young guy, so he didn't get the full playing time uh, behind Frank Gore there, but uh, finished the season 32nd ranked and uh, bumps up to 20th ranked for 2020 and 19th ranked in uh, for dynasty leagues so to give you some idea of where he is being ranked next year uh, among running backs and these are all ppr numbers so you can take that into account depending on your league but he's 20th and uh, that's right in the mark ingram uh, range carry on johnson marlon mack so uh, maybe a valuable rb2 uh, a solid RB2, but um, not quite approaching RB, RB1 numbers. Yeah, I think that that's a pretty fair assessment. He's actually really consistent, which is nice to see. He's got um, 25% boom rate, which was we marked as um, over 17 points. And then a 41% bust rate, which is below, below uh, 10 points. So, I mean, with those numbers, he means got a 33% decent game rate and a 25% boom rate like that's devil sing devin singletary isn't really hurting your team and for the most part he's actually doing a, a decent job to help your team um i think devin singletary next year is probably a really good pick especially if he's in that 20 range where he's around mark ingram and carry on johnson i would look at devin singletary because most likely he's going to be the uh the lead running back on his team not to mention that they have a really good defense and usually a really good defense with a really good running back synergizes really well. Yeah, absolutely. If they can, they that's kind of their style there anyway. They want to play a little bit more on the ground with with Josh Allen and um, of course they're trying to expand his role, but um, he will definitely be uh, Devin Singletary will definitely be a valuable part to that offense for years to come. A little bit of the opposite situation in Atlanta where DeFonta Freeman was nicked up a little bit this past year, started the season off not wonderfully, but did finish the season as the um, 20th ranked running back. Uh, He slips to 28 for 2020 and 30th in uh, dynasty leagues. You know who would be a perfect fit uh, for Atlanta, who's a free agent right now? Uh, Kareem Hunt, I think. He would use, he would be a perfect replacement for Devonte Freeman if if they were to move on from them. Yeah, I think that they will definitely try to uh, supplant him um, or pr- at least provide a steady backup um, more so than they they've had uh, in 2019. So yeah, I mean Kareem Hump has is definitely a proven player with those other weapons at wide receiver and maybe if they re-sign tight end Austin Hooper. Uh, Kareem Hunt will definitely be a valuable guy because he can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. So, Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if you look at what he did with the Browns this year, he actually was used as uh, the receiving back. Yep. So Freeman is still a, a low-end RB2, high-end RB3, but I think his consistent days of really having huge, huge uh, ground game uh, days on the ground are probably over. Um, but... Um, He's not a bad guy to take if you don't need to rely on him for one of your top two running back spots in 2020. And Devontae Freeman has always been one of my favorite players to watch because he's kind of a smaller running back. He runs like he's a big running back. It's so fun. Yeah, he, he's been one of my favorite players. I, I've got a soft spot for him, uh, and hopefully he can 
uh, come back fully healthy next year and that offense can get back on track and and we can see more of uh, Freeman and the rest of the offense because watching their defense isn't quite as <laughs> enjoyable. Uh, all right, Dakota. Yeah, as we said earlier, one of my favorite players in fantasy, John Brown up there in Buffalo. He finished 20th this season. Talk about him and his future in Buffalo there, Dakota. Yeah, I think that he's got a bright future in Buffalo. He caught 72 of 115 of his passing targets for 1,060 yards and six touchdowns. I think that he definitely has a lot of potential to be a really good wide receiver. He's he's a bit on the smaller side. He's, he's taller at 5'11", but 178 pounds, he's a bit smaller. Um, I think that what the Bills are lacking right now are explosive playmakers. John is pretty explosive. John Brownie is a pretty explosive guy, but um, his boom rate, which was over 20 points in PPR for wide receivers, he only had two games that were booms that were over 20 points at 13%. But he only had two games that were below 10 points, so he also had a 13% bust rate. So, I mean, when you look at John Brown, what you're looking at mostly is consistency. 73% of his games were 10 to 20 points. He's not winning you a week, and he's definitely not losing you a week, but he was that guy that you could put into your flex spot, and you knew you are going to get at least 10 points out of him. So I think that he had really good consistency. He averaged 14.7 yards per catch, which I think is really good. Um, I think what they really need, what the Buffalo Bills really need is another wide receiver that, you know, they'll probably address in the draft because there isn't a lot of free agent options. But I think that they need that big outside receiver to help um, alleviate that pressure from John Brown. Yeah, I, I, as you said, he's he's not a guy who's going to carry you week to week. He can explode for um, big weeks once in a while, as you said, with the boom rate. But he's more of a steady guy, a guy that you're – Pretty happy playing as your your wide receiver three, wide receiver four, or flex spot, um, and maybe with Allen, um, you know, increasing his his throws next year, getting a little bit better uh, with that, uh, maybe he can be a little bit more valuable in the long run. He is he goes from twentieth to thirty first in twenty twenty and forty four in dynasty, so still around that. RB or wide receiver three range at least for next year and then then dropping down a little bit more than that but his compatriot at wide receiver Cole Beasley I have some stats on him too I actually kind of liked him yeah he he ended up 34th this season talk a little bit about him um he actually didn't have too bad of a year he had a 788 yards on 67 receptions he caught 63 percent of his catches and he had six touchdowns as well He was also very consistent. He only had one game that was over 20 points. Um, He busted 33% of the time, which was under 10 points. But 53% of his games were 10 to 20 points. So he was also someone who was actually really consistent (coughs) throughout the year. And um, I think that he actually had a decent year. I I don't see myself drafting him, but he was definitely one of those guys that you could find on the waiver wire sometimes, and you could just kind of pick him up and use him if you really needed to. he could have gotten you out of some sticky situations this year. Yeah, you're right. He's not a guy that you're definitely going out to to draft, but maybe a bye week filler here and there in good matchups. Um, he was 34th, as we said, this year. Slips to 60th next year. Uh, rankings uh, provided by FancyPros.com and 77th in Dynasty. So for you Dynasty players, probably not a player you really need to worry about at all, but... You know, a wide receiver four, wide receiver five uh, guy who can provide for you if you're desperate or you have injuries um, next season. Yeah, and to get back to John Brown, you said he's being drafted in that wide receiver three area, but he's finishing as a wide receiver two, and so that's definitely something that I would want to look at. That sounds like good value to me. I think John Brown is someone I might be looking at later in drafts. Yeah, he tends to tends to fall uh you know he he's not super well known or or appreciated. So if you can get him as a as a late wide receiver three in your draft, um, you know eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleventh round for most most drafts, then he can definitely be a decent value for you. 
In Atlanta, I've got one of the best, if not the best, wide receivers in the game today. That's Julio Jones. He finished third for the season. Um, He started off with four touchdowns in four games, uh, finished, didn't have another touchdown uh, until week 15, but he still had six 100-yard games and another two with 90 or more yards. And he's really one of the few explosive guys out there who can single-handedly, without question, win you a week. Those guys are super valuable. Uh, low low first round pick this year, probably maybe a tiny bit lower next year. He he finished the year third this year, uh, rated fifth for next year and tenth overall in dynasty. He does turn thirty one uh, in just a couple of weeks here in early February, but still a complete stud. I know kind of a little bit of the narrative is that he doesn't score touchdowns. But uh, every week he can give you 90 yards uh, with ease. And then when he does have those blow-up games, he's just uh, incredible. And, of course, he's just fun to watch when he does that. Are you a Julio fan, Dakota? I am. I I like Julio Jones. Um, Like you said, he's probably one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in the NFL. He looks, I, I mean, some of the stuff that he's able to do is just amazing. Uh, I had him. I actually drafted him this year. I had him on uh, my championship roster. He um, <clears throat> he had he had his peaks and his valleys. He definitely went up and down. I I don't think yep. that this was necessarily his best year, but um, pulled it together. The there whole the offense end. was struggling for a while, um, and uh, their defense just couldn't get off the field uh, during their one and seven start. Yeah, it was. Yeah, no, Julio Jones was definitely being affected by. Um, the poor play that the entire team was having. So hopefully next year that the Falcons can pull that together and, and uh, get a good season put together for Julio Jones to uh, be able to thrive in the offense like he normally does. Yep, we shall see. On the other side of the field, Calvin Ridley uh, had a, another nice season in his sophomore season. He finished 27th overall, but that was uh, partially due because he missed uh, the season's final three games with an abdomen injury. Should definitely be a high-end number two wide receiver in 2020, um, somewhere in the neighborhood of Robert Woods and Tyler Lockett. Those are the guys you're looking at. Like maybe not a complete stud at number, uh, you know, wide receiver one, but high, high-end number two guys that are going to be super valuable for you. He finished uh, 2019 with seven touchdowns, and if he gets some more looks and the offense corrects itself, as we were saying for all these players in Atlanta, um, he should be uh, right up there with you know some of the best low-end wide receiver ones, top-end wide receiver twos next year. It, you could almost say that the uh, the touchdowns that Julio Jones doesn't get, Calvin Ridley does get. He seems to be a lot more efficient in the touchdown department than Julio Jones, but I think it it works well for them because um, Julio Jones is that chunk yard guy. He can go down and and make big plays. Calvin Ridley can make big plays too, but he seems to find the end zone a little bit more. And and maybe he's someone who um, he he probably benefits from having Julio Jones out on the field because everyone's going to be so distracted by Julio Jones. And then you get this guy, Calvin Ridley, who's actually – also extremely talented getting the ball in in um into these short or into uh tight coverages so i like calvin ridley um i'd probably still take robert woods and tyler lockett over calvin ridley but calvin ridley definitely is a really good option he surprised me a little bit this year um i thought people were paying up a little too much for wide receiver two on a team but he turned out to be a pretty good wide receiver he had a few weeks where he blew up and actually you know did the Julio Jones thing. Yeah, I agree with everything you said there. Like, it seemed like he was being a little overdrafted, but he ended up being a, a decent value for those teams that did draft him that high. Um, I would go lock it over him. Uh, Robert Woods, I'm not sure with that with that team. Um, you know, when they focus on giving Robert Woods the ball, he crushes. But sometimes they just don't focus on that, and um, and uh, so. 
It's not as reliable there in Los Angeles. Ridley is going to be 21st rank in 2020, and he's ranked 20th in Dynasty, maybe toward the sunset of Julio's career. But as you said, he definitely benefited and will benefit from Julio being uh, the main target there in Atlanta. At tight end, we've got a couple of young players on both teams. Let's start in Buffalo with uh, Dawson Knox, Dakota. Yeah, Dawson Knox, uh, he had a really good rookie year. Uh, he got, <clears throat> he didn't finish anywhere. I have him ranked as a tight end 30. He didn't finish anywhere where he was a notable tight end for fantasy football. But, you know, he actually had some really good games, and I would like to keep my eye, my eye on him because I think that Although I'm probably not going to be drafting Dawson Knox, I I am definitely going to be streaming him next year. His um yeah, his athletic measurements are great. I mean, he's 6'4", 254 pounds, but <clears throat> he's really fast, he's really agile. He can make big plays and um he gets really good utilization in the red zone. He only caught two touchdowns this year, but I think that there's definitely room to improve on this Buffalo Bills offense and Dawson Knox might be one of those players that benefits from it, especially in his in his sophomore year. Like I said, I'm not going to be targeting him in drafts. I think he's he's not worth drafting. He's probably going to be on the waiver wire, but definitely keep an eye on him. Keep um, the name Dawson Knox in the back of your head because we talked about him a couple times this year even. I think we're going to be talking yep. about him a lot more next year. Rises to 26 in 2020 and 21st in Dynasty. Um yeah, not a guy that you're going to go out of your way for, but definitely a guy you should know. Um, or if you're in a two tight end league or a super flex league where you need to use two tight ends or can use two tight ends, he's 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 a sneaky little guy. I, from what I've seen of 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 their games, and I uh, follow them more than uh, most people who are not Buffalo Bills fans because I went to college just a couple hours away during their Super Bowl. Uh, seasons every single year they were in the Super Bowl I was in college that just shows you how old I am true Buffalo Bills fans yeah not to date yourself yeah or anything. no I am I am among the ancients among us but um yeah so he's a sneaky player I think he's he's a viable tight end too and an occasional streamer as you said in great matchups I have a top flight tight end in Atlanta, Dakota. His name is Austin Hooper. There's only one problem for the Falcons. Yeah, Austin He's Hooper. an unrestricted free agent. So they're going to have to pay good money for him. They are. Well, someone's going to pay good money for him. He finished the year sixth overall, even after missing three weeks due to an injury. Uh, he's fifth ranked in 2020 and in Dynasty. So one of the first guys that will be targeted um, after George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, I think he should really be uh, one of the first off-season tasks for GM Thomas Dimitrov. Um, really awesome player. I was able to draft him in my league late last year. Was uh, stupid to drop drop him uh, for another player early in the season uh, before he fully emerged as a top top uh, tight end guy. Um, let me give you this, uh, Dakota. If you had to choose between Austin Hooper and maybe some of the other guys super high up at the position, like, I don't know, Zach Ertz or someone like that, who are you going with in 2020? I might still go with Zach Ertz because of the wide receiver condition in, in Philly. Zach Ertz is the best wide receiver they have right now. But I do see the argument with Austin Hooper. I think that he's definitely pushed himself into that elite class of tight ends where you see George Kittle, um, Zach Ertz, Travis Kels. <clears throat> I think that Austin Hooper can find himself in that in that groove because when he was on the field, when he was healthy, I mean he was he was typically the tight end one. So he's getting a lot of looks and he's getting a lot of utilization. It was kind of weird Austin Hooper hasn't ever had a season like this before and then for him to break out like this this heavy in his contract year is kind of ironic because now I don't know if the Falcons are going to be able to retain him. <laughs> yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see where he goes and um, obviously affect his value quite a bit. But if he decides to 
Right. Like if he lands on the Falcons again, then yeah, I, I think I could see myself yeah. drafting him high or targeting him high. But if he goes to another team, I'm I'm going to be a little bit farther off on him. I don't know how that other team. I think if he wants to get uh, his money or his full value, uh, he's going to go to a team that is going to want to focus on on him. Uh, maybe not the top option, but one of the best options on the team, just because they're going to pay him that money. Um, he did have a couple of 100 yard games, and he had uh, six touchdowns, even with those missed games. So. Very, very valuable tight end. I know Darren Waller is kind of the the flavor of the month, uh, whatnot. Don't forget about Austin Hooper. Um, you know, don't let him fall too far. If he if he falls in your league next year and uh, he's a Falcon, as as Dakota and I said, uh, snap him up early because he's going to be a, a great play for you. All right. That's about it for positions, guys. Let's move on to some cap talk. Dakota, you said earlier that the Bills had a lot of cap space. Talk more about that and what they're looking at with their undrafted free agents. Well, um, you know, they're actually in a really good position. Uh, Like I said, they've got the third most cap room in the NFL with $81.8 million. That is a ton of money money to be spending on players. And then when it comes to their... Free agents, they don't. They're not really losing a lot. Um, most of their free agents are older players that are going to be heading into their thirties, and um, a lot of them are defensive players. There's a few offensive linemen on there that they might need to retain. I think really the the biggest name that I have for them is uh, their defensive end Shaq Lawson. Yep, he's twenty six and a half sacks. Sorry, what was that? He's 26 years old, so he's definitely a valuable part of their future. Yeah, and he, yeah, right. Like you said, he's 26 years old, so he's definitely on the on the younger side. And he was really talented. He had six and a half sacks and 32 tackles, and I believe he had 15 percent tackle for a loss rate. I mean, he was he was a phenomenal player on one of the best defenses in the NFL. So definitely someone that they're going to try and retain. Um, and they have the money to retain him. Other than that, I think that. Most of their needs are on the offensive side of the ball. <clears throat> if they can just focus on keeping as many players as they can on the defense, and it's not going to cost them all that much to do it either, and then they can spend all of their money or a good chunk of their money improving their offensive line possibly. Their offensive line is ranked number 16 by uh, football outsiders. So, I mean, it's it's not a bad offensive line, but it could get better. Yeah. Which would help Devin Singletary out. It would help josh allen out and um it would help improve the play for the wide receivers and then possibly bringing in another wide receiver i mean where they're at right now they don't need to spend a ton of money to continue to stay good but they have a ton of money so they're in a really good position right now yeah they are in a good spot one of their uh important parts on the offensive line is uh quinton spain their left guard played 99.5 percent of the snaps for the for them uh, 29 years old, so we'll see if they re-sign him. Um, otherwise, they most likely will. Offensive linemen can play really high, high-level football even into their 30s. Yeah. So even if they, you know, want to upgrade the offensive line, there uh, they will have to replace his his snaps at least if he uh, moves on. Their cap. Uh, percentage snap percentage which we are calling uh, from the top five cap players uh, the most expensive players on the team that they could possibly lose as unrestricted free agents there for the bills is 56 percent which is a little bit higher than our other two teams last week uh, the Arizona Cardinals and the Baltimore Ravens at uh, about 45 percent so they, they have some work to, to get some of their players back. But as you said, they have so much money third um, with $82 million behind the Colts and the Dolphins. They have money to play with. Um, and uh, so th- they can do what they need to to help improve that team. Yeah, and they can continue to stay good for the years to come, too. I think that's what's important. Yeah, they I mean, they're definitely they're behind Allen and uh, Singletary. They're, they're set up. Uh, young at their skill position at least fantasy football wise and so that's what we care about the falcons are uh, dramatically opposed to to the 
uh, <laughs> Bills. They are 29th in the league with $6.7 million of free cap space. These numbers are according to overthecap.com. That's a really great site if you haven't heard of it yet. Uh, really gets you a lot of information on unrestricted free agents and contracts and the cap. So check that out, overthecap.com. The free agent, uh, unrestricted free agent snap percentage average for the Falcons is 45%, which is a little uh, low or average, I should say, but it goes up to 55% if you take out punter uh, Matt uh, Boschner. They have uh, defensive end Vic Beasley, 28. He's played 73% of the snaps. And then Austin Hooper, as we said, is a free agent. He's 25 and, and played 62% of the snaps. So they, they need to work on resigning those guys. And also their leading tackler, Devontae, Devondre Campbell, led the team with 129 tackles and played 88.7% of the, the, the snaps. They got to try to re-sign him. Not a lot of room uh, to do that with, but you know by changing players to signing bonuses and and, and letting go of a few guys and kind of kicking the, the salary cap down, the salary cap can down the road, um, you can open up some space. But they definitely will have to work on that for the Falcons. Yeah, they could probably finagle an extra $10 million out of out of their system. But, I mean, depending on what Austin Hooper, Austin Hooper is asking for, that that might not even be enough. And it might not be worth it for their team to be spending you know, a 50% of their, of their, uh, salary cap on one player. So I think Austin Hooper might be the odd man out this year. Uh, time will tell. It's interesting. It's always interesting to see what these teams do when they have just so little money and then they end up making a lot of moves. So we'll see. Yeah, you're right. With, with that, uh, shortfall there, Austin Hooper is definitely going to be, uh, difficult to, um, sign so we shall see if they can actually make it happen obviously he's one of the best at his position but sometimes that doesn't that isn't enough there are so many more considerations um, that they have to take into account that we shall see what they do Dakota I think we did it yeah I, I just had one more thing to add in about Devin Singletary go for it uh, and then we'll, then we'll hit quickly on defenses yeah, yeah, just Devin Singletary, he only had uh, two rushing touchdowns and then two receiving touchdowns, so he only had four touchdowns this season, and I definitely think that he is in room, in line for some very decent touchdown regression, positive regression. I think he's going to be scoring a lot more than four touchdowns next year. Yeah, that, that uh, number can go up and down and definitely don't want to chase it, but for starting running back, Four touchdowns is pretty low, so I think you're right. I think he will get more touchdowns next season. Let's talk a little bit about uh, defenses. Um, the Bills were terrific on defense last year, Dakota. Yeah, the uh, Pro Football Reference ranks them number two defense right behind the New England Patriots. They had 14 interceptions, nine forced fumbles, and 44 sacks. So they definitely knew how to pressure the the quarterback and turn the ball over uh the 23 turnovers was pretty average actually wasn't like um it wasn't like a huge number for what you would think the number two ranked defense is uh to put that in perspective seattle uh sorry not seattle um pittsburgh steelers they had 38 turnovers so 23 is is an okay number but i mean they were you know some of one of the top ranked defenses when it came to when it came to yards allowed on the on both rushing and passing they were tremendous against both they shut down a lot of teams i mean you saw them hold back the the patriots at the beginning of the year and everyone started worrying about the patriots and what they were going to be doing so the the bills were definitely one of those high end defenses but when it comes to fantasy we always say don't draft your defenses early Make sure that if the Bills are, you know, someone that's going to be going in the even in the twelfth round, don't draft them. You know, get get your defense in the fifteenth round, in the last round. Yeah, absolutely. One of the one of the last rounds, at least. Uh, definitely not early. They they were terrific there uh, in Buffalo, but they can 
that changes. Um, even with just you know a, an injury or two, one of their best guys goes out. Though that can change dramatically. So yeah. you just definitely do not want to spend on defense early there. I think it would take more than just one injury to bring down this defense. They have a lot of players that are key to their team that are you know really hold it together. I think that they can withstand some injuries, but injuries always hurt always hurt a team so yeah and you don't want you don't want to pass up as you said you don't want to pass up a, a, a long shot lottery ticket at a player who could actually help you out at a, at a different position since defenses are not only unpredictable from season to season really um but they're also generally fairly close in points sorry the, um, i don't know where the bears defense finished this year but it definitely wasn't at anywhere near the number one spot where they finished the year before. And that's just a good example of, you know, defenses are really inconsistent from year to year. So you can't count on them. And yeah, absolutely. The bears falling. And what about the Patriots just blowing up? I mean, no one would have suspected that. I mean, no one really had any idea that was coming. And the Patriots were like a, having an RB one in your defensive slot there for the first you know, I know they were they were dominating, but the point is that Dakota and I are making is you can't predict that. So we're we're we may say, say it every week, and maybe we won't after a few weeks. But don't pick your defenses early, uh, pick them late. But the Bills are definitely one to uh, keep an eye on. The Falcons um, had 28 sacks, which tied them for 14th in the league. 12 turnovers, uh, 12 interceptions, and 8 fumble recoveries. So a little bit uh, average, I would say. Uh, Again, they did have some injuries there. But um, if if they can turn it around with not only their play calling um, and uh, getting getting their guys on the field, they should be back up and running. The problem with them is... um, at least it was in the past few years, is they play twice against the the Saints and twice against the Buccaneers. So you always have to be worried about uh, offensive shootouts in those games. But uh, Falcons are a decent defense uh, and should be uh, improved on uh, next year than what they did this year. Yeah, the Falcons defense was um, a little weird. It definitely had its moments where it shined and then it had its moments right when you think that you're like, oh, I could kind of, maybe I can rely on this this defense, and then it, it let you down again. Um, but like you said, their division that they play in, the NFC South, is probably one of the highest scoring divisions in the NFL right now. I mean, the Falcons, the Bucks, and then you still got the Panthers with Christian McCaffrey. So their defensive stats do get a little bit skewed when they do have those giant shootouts. But um, I, mean, I think this year that they they shut down the the saints to a really low scoring game so it happens um yeah that saints game was the first game where i believe coach dan quinn gave up uh play calling duties on the defense and he shuffled some defensive responsibilities and they they went on a run to end the season so if they can continue that they'll be a, a pretty good defense uh next year and i would say that it made a very drastic um and noticeable improvement when he did shift those play calling duties and make those changes yeah, it was it was immediate. It was drastic. Um, so we'll see if they can continue it next year in Dakota. I said we were done earlier, but now I think we're really, really done. <laughs> yes. But coming up next week, guys, we continue our AFC slash NFC one at a time state of the franchise look this week. Next week, excuse me, we are going to be doing the Carolina Panthers and Cincinnati Bengals, owner of the number one pick, Dakota. Yeah, that is actually true. They That'll be interesting to see where they go. Uh, probably a quarterback, huh? I'll have to look into it. Um, I'll take the I'll take the Bengals this one. You'll take the Bengals? All right, number one pick. I've seen some trade uh, rumors or at least, you know, someone shot out there on Twitter that maybe the the Panthers should trade Cam Newton and a bunch of first-round picks for the number one pick of the Bengals, who theoretically is going to be Joe Burrow's quarterback out of Louisiana State University. But yeah, learn about uh, Mr. Burrow's there. I've got to learn about the new regime in Carolina. 
under new coach Matt Rule. And what about Cam Newton? Does he come back um, fully healthy, ready to take charge? Uh, Christian McCaffrey, is he going to continue to run two times every play? Um, (laughs) Who knows where we're going with the Panthers on that, Dakota? It sure seemed that way. He got like double points every play. Yeah, oh, they're handing off to McCaffrey, and they're handing off to McCaffrey again. Oh, there's 20 yards, a touchdown, McCaffrey. You know, if I was the Panthers, I would look at moving on from from Cam Newton. I would try to get as much trade value out of him as I can. I think that he's nearing the end of his career, and I think that if you get good trade value, maybe get some picks and go draft yourself a better quarterback. There's that argument, and I'll have to look into it as well, but... You can also argue with him, a full-strength McCaffrey, uh, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel at, at a wideout that they're really primed on offense, and if they can get a, a decent defense, they can they can really make a little bit of noise. So I might agree with you, but maybe, maybe they start over, start the clock over under uh, new coach Matt Rule there. We'll see. I'll have to look into it more, but... Uh, yeah, I think it's more of a scheme thing. I think the team is designed to have more of a of a uh, game manager than a game breaker like Cam Newton. But like you said, we'll see. You'll look into it. We'll argue about it next week. Sounds good. And you've got a lot of work to do to figure out how to fix those Bengals. Get them some free agents, would you? <laughs> I don't know if I can fix the Bengals. I don't get paid enough to do that. But <laughs> uh, You do not get pay- paid enough to do that. That is... For certain. But hey, if you can fix the Bengals, maybe they will actually call you in and you can live in the uh, beautiful city of Cincinnati, Ohio. All right, Dakota, that is officially it. We are done. Dakota, give them the people your Twitter handle, sir. My, You can find me on Twitter at Dakota Vanderhoff. You just got to drop the O out of Dakota. And um, if you're looking to spell my name, you can find it right at the top of the page over at the Fantasy Football Observer. Yes, and I am going to try to do better about posting some of this stuff we talked about and more for the Atlanta Falcons and Buffalo Bills and all the teams in the future. So check out Fantasy Football Observer for more information about these teams, especially uh, free agent targets and uh, draft picks, which we really didn't get into as well. And we will have updates uh, of those free after the free agency period and the NFL draft. We'll actually have podcast updates. Um, so check out that and subscribe so you don't miss a beat for your favorite teams. Other than that, folks, I am FF Observer on Twitter. I also host a podcast for Star Wars called Before the Z-Wing. So check that out on your favorite podcast app once again that's before the z-wing our latest episode is on the clone wars review and preview before season season seven and we also are picking the top star wars vehicles in our next episode but that should do it for the 100 yard coverage podcast for dakota vanderhoff i'm stefan arnold have a great week guys Enjoy this Super Bowl pregame activity and wonderful talk. We shall talk to you guys later. Peace out.